Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The band back together again. Prospects and props. We continue on with our Rookie of the Year candidates. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here with you. Jamie back from a uh, very top secret trip that he took with TDN. So top secret it was all over TDN's Instagram channels and social media channels all weekend long. Uh, Jamie, first before we get into this, how was your trip? Did you enjoy yourself watching some some big beefy men play football? Uh, I, I had a great time, uh, and anybody that follows the TDN socials uh, is well aware of where I was and, and where the Draft Network was over the weekend, or I guess late last week into the weekend in Minnesota. It was really enjoyable. Uh, got a chance to see some really interesting up-and-coming NFL-type players. Uh, some of these guys we're not going to declare this year, but uh, a handful of them will, and we'll have some really interesting conversations about them going into the draft. Uh, so it was really nice to kind of work out there with, with Jeremiah Searles and uh, Nick Hardwick, Alex Boone, uh, all three former NFL players that were showing uh, showing things and uh, technique and and a lot of different things. And if you haven't had a chance to either read the articles or, or see some of the videos, check out the Draft Network socials because it was a really good time. Uh, there's an even bigger camp hosted by those three men that's coming up that TDN will be attending in June, about a, almost exactly a month uh, from when you hear this exactly. Uh, so it, it's definitely something to keep an eye on because there are a lot of big names that are going to be coming out in this draft on the offensive line. And uh, they got to learn a lot, both from an on the field perspective, film study. They have to talk with the with Eric Galco and, and Jim Nagy that have that host the all star bowls. Uh, they got to see a lot of uh, a lot of different things. And it got, it was a really, really enjoyable event and. Got to tour the uh, the little the practice facility a little bit for the Minnesota Vikings that are out there. So all that was a really enjoyable experience. Uh, it was a lot of fun uh, doing the Takes on Takes episode on Friday. show. hope everybody enjoyed that. I did it twice. Uh, I did it yes. on Wednesday with Jamie for about 33 minutes, and I mentioned that at the top of the show. We did 33 minutes of what potentially was some of our best audio. Like the banter yeah. was unbelievable. We were having a blast. And just 33 minutes in, my computer just completely shut down, and then Jamie had to go. So then I did redid the show on Friday morning by myself and got it out to everybody and it was weird because the the takes were takes that i already had formulated well, so, okay I, I didn't have a chance to listen to it. i was going to ask you if, you if you had to share your potato takes again because we went off on a tangent about uh well at least i did i don't i don't know where what you picked up on but about the versatility uh, of the potato sure, uh and sure. and yeah so the, the positional versatility of it but you're we won't get into away, it now but you're giving away some of the trade secrets because i just took exactly what we did on the lost episode <laughs> and then i just used that as my own take for the the show that i did oh and wow oh okay part, oh okay i see how it is i'm sure my check's in the mail and the worst part is like it's an actual lost episode i can never get it back it's gone it's a literally a corrupted file and it's 33 minutes of golden <laughs> goldenness so i hope everybody enjoyed the takes on takes uh show and we'll, we'll be doing more of those in the future so we're, we're looking forward to that so jamie let's get back on track here we've got more Rookie of the Year uh, candidacies to, to take a look at. You wanted to look at the AFC South. Let's look at the team uh, that started by winning that division last year and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Year three of Trevor Lawrence, year two of Doug Peterson. You expect this team to be good, to be in the mix, be competitive in a lot of games. That should set up for their rookies to get the spotlight, to get the, na the, the narrative, right? Your team's got to be good for you to kind of enter this kind of buzz. So when we look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, what do we think? Well, the first name that pops to me is Tank Bigsby, uh, is the, the running back out of Auburn they took in the third round because we start to talk about potential to win these awards. And 
you know, he's not going to be the starter. Obviously, Travis Etienne coming off a fantastic, I, I guess, technically sophomore season, but obviously essentially his rookie season. Uh, but Doug Peterson wants to use multiple backs. We'll see if Travis Etienne or really any running back can stay healthy for the full season. There's always uh, inherent risk that comes with the position. Uh, I think Tank Bigsby's got the inside track to be the RB2 there in Jacksonville, and he's going to get his own opportunities even with Etienne healthy. And if something were to happen to Etienne for an extended period of time, we could see Bigsby take over that lead running back role in a running back friendly offense. It's already going to be pretty high powered under Doug Peterson. So uh, I really like him. Obviously, they went three offensive players to start their draft. Anton Harrison, offensive tackle, Brenton Strange, tight end, who I like, but isn't going to do the things that are going to be needed out of that position to potentially win the Rookie of the Year award. Uh, if I'm going to take a long shot here, it, it would be on Tank Bigsby and just hoping that he you know, gets some work and maybe he can work his way in, into – more opportunities down the road. I don't think he can win this award without a major injury to ETN, but if we have to pick one here, that's going to be my guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a ton of defensive candidates that you look at that you think are going to immediately draw into major roles, also at positions that you associate with this award. And so, Jamie, let's narrow in here on Tank Bigsby. I have the numbers in front of me. Uh, where do you think Tank falls in here in these odds? He is on the board. I will tell you that he is on the board. I'm going to go 100 to 1. 100 to 1. So he's in the uh, the, the top tier at the end. Uh, he is not. He is higher than that. He is in. I'll read you the names that he is alongside of, and okay. I'll tell you his math. Okay. Sam Laporta, Jaden Reed, Josh Downs, Michael Mayer, Israel Abanacanda, Zach Evans, and Tank Dell. He is in the 60 to 1 bucket. Tank Bigsby. Yeah, I think I like all those other names more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I think I agree. Maybe, maybe, it's, yeah, I think I like it because like even with, and I, I don't want to do this again because uh, you've had too many conversations about Izzy Abanacanda in, in a lot of different forms, but at least the running back he's behind is currently injured. That's not the case with Tank Bigsby and Travis Etienne. So I, I think I like everybody in that region at all of those positions more. Listen, take Bigsby. People ask my thoughts on Israel Abanacanda. I don't I don't unpromptedly share them with everybody else. So don't blame me for the Israel Abanacanda. No, I know. I'm just sick of it. They get brought to my they, they get brought to my doorstep. I don't go seeking them out. All right, Jamie. Potentially, I would argue the most interesting team in this division, and not because it's a good thing, but because I truly don't know what to make of what this team is actively trying to do and what they are going to be here in 2023. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans because they took some guys with some of their early picks that are going to be on this list in terms of odds for the offensive rookie of the year let's go through the the candidacies for will levis and for tajay spears yeah and they took no defensive players so uh we don't even have to even worry about that position here um i mean i guess i mean they have some udfas but yeah i i, I think those are the two names you're looking at again we've talked about offensive line even though skaronsky was their first pick those are not going to be an option uh will levis has is interesting because whenever you have a quarterback they have the potential to shoot up the rankings. Mm-hmm. They always have that chance when when they start. And, you know, last year was the weird year where it was really only Kenny Pickett getting a significant amount of time. You know, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, uh, et cetera, uh, did not get a lot of looks last year, did not get a lot of snaps to be in this conversation. Ritter got four it, games at the end of the season, right? He got like what the last four. Yeah. Games. Malik Willis drew in kind of late. So it was one of those situations where not a big enough sample size. And not to cut you off, Jamie, but I think this is where you're going. I think the sample size for Will Levis is going to be pretty small. I looked at the Tennessee yeah. schedule, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I talked about this on Friday's TDN Daily because somebody asked me when I thought Will was going to draw in. They have a bye week in week. I think it's either six or seven. 
seven. And right after that, their first game after the bye is is against Atlanta, and I'm pretty sure it's a home game. And I soft circle that as their schedule through their first six or seven games is pretty tough, if I remember looking at it. And that sets up really kind of nicely for Will to draw in. But the downside to that is if he isn't drawing in until week seven or week eight, is that a big enough sample size of maybe at most 10 games to be able to put together a real true candidacy when we know Bryce Young's probably starting from week one, when we know C.J. Stroud's more than likely starting from week week one, and I just worry that those guys at that position are going to have a longer runway than Will will. Yeah, and I think that's the concern. And look, I think Will Levis is going to be their guy 2024 and beyond in, in the short term, but... I don't know when he's going to get that opportunity this year because I, I think there's, you know, a lot of uh, I, I you still ha- you have a veteran coach that wants to win. And that's not to say that starting Will Levis is, is prevents them from winning necessarily, but I'm not sure they're going to move on from Tannehill unless he is re- this year, like midseason, unless he is really, really bad or gets hurt. If he's fine, I don't see them having uh, this big push to, to get Will Levis in. So that concerns me. What do we define Him relative fine? to the other three quarterbacks who we think, like you said, are going to start week one concerns me. So, I I mean, I'm sure his odds are significantly better than those other quarterbacks, but I think that's by design. Like, I'm not and, – and who is he throwing the ball to? Like, I just, well, I just don't see – yeah, go ahead, Chris. Well, that was the que- that was what I was going to say to you is because you say as long as Tannehill's fine, we need to define what fine is because when you look at this offense, it's not really put together in a way. Ryan Tannehill, and, and I think Ryan Tannehill gets a it's a it gets a bad reputation, but Jamie, I think the one thing you and I will agree on when it comes to Ryan Tannehill, the best the, to be able to get the best version out of Ryan Tannehill and to put your team in the best position with him as your quarterback, he needs to be surrounded with a certain group of skill players, and I think it's extremely fair to say this group of skill players could get beaten out by some college programs with the quality of talent that they have at the wide receiver position, or I guess just the lack thereof of quality at the wide receiver position. So for me, I don't know if Tannehill's going to be able to be quote-unquote fine because this group's not going to help him out, and Tannehill's one of those quarterbacks that needs help from his receiving core. But I, I, my, my counter to that would be, and not that I disagree with your point, the thing is, is when I say fine, I mean, is he the reason why they're losing? Okay. And, and if and he's I, not. I agree with that. I'd agree with Because that. I don't see them saying, well, okay, well, Tannehill can't win with all these scrubs, so let's throw in Will Levis. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't necessarily. Uh, toward the end of the year, sure. You know, you get your reps in, you know, get your looks, get prepared for next year. But to make that move in October, if I'm not start, sure. If you start one and five, you start one and five going into the bye week. I think you've got to at least consider it, giving Will a run. Sure. One in five. Where are you going but at I, that point? But even then, it's just like, what What are you actually going to get from him this year? And the question is going to be is if it's, do they want to put Will Levis in a disadvantageous situation? Uh, and we'll see. You know, may, maybe Traylon Burks is is balling out and and Jago Conquell's looking. And, and maybe we're looking at things, not, not that they're going to be winning, but that Michael, like, all right, it's not a great pass catching room, but it's not as abysmal as we thought. There's a chance that I guess that could be the case. But either way, the combination of that, when we think he's going to get in, doesn't really excite me. Uh, my guess, he's going to be 22 to 1. He's 25 to 1 right now. And okay. I'm sorry, I don't want anything to do with that. I nah. want nothing to do with 25 to 1. It's not good enough value. I think it's priced in the fact that he's going to be the starter at some point. And two, Everything that we just laid out are reasons why if, if if Will Levis draws in, even as early as I think he's going to draw in, right, week seven or week eight, 
is he surrounded with a nice group of players that is going to be advantageous for a rookie quarterback to be able to put up the type of numbers and have the type of immediate success? Because again, Jimmy, if he comes in where I think he's going to come into the season, it's only 10 games. What he's going to have to accomplish in those 10 games is going to have to over is he's going to have to take over whatever CJ Stroud or Bryce Young did and I don't think he has the group to be able to do that and so for me at 25 to 1 it's pricing in that he's going to be the starter it's pricing in you know where he currently sits in the in the pecking order of quarterbacks and I just I'm not interested not at that value Tajay Spears how much is he going to play uh, you know like I, I if Derrick Henry doesn't get hurt I mean yes there's availability on some third downs and whatnot but I just don't see how much he's going to play. Like if the Titans have any chance whatsoever in any of these games, he's he's they're going to pound Derrick Henry into the ground. I'm going to do the show before the show, and I apologize in advance for doing the show before the show, but I'm going to ask the question this way. If you had to pick one of these two running backs to win Rookie of the Year, would you rather take Zach Charbonnet or would you rather take Tajay Spears? So I'm guessing their their odds are very similar. I will tell you that I will tell you that Zach Charbonnet's odds are 35 to one, and Tajay Spears's are 40 to one, and that to me so close enough. That feels weird to me. I think I'd rather take Charbonnet actually, though. Really, I don't know if I. Yeah. Here's why: I think we have seen Pete Carroll give opportunity to multiple backs on a consistent basis, even when Ken Walker was healthy. He does do that. Um, and Ken Walker, and and I think I still feel a little bit more confident in that. I, I guess either way you're betting on health because you've got Kenneth Walker versus Derrick Henry. They still got clear options in front of them. But I think the Seahawks might be winning a few games this year. Uh, I'm not sure how many games the Titans are going to win, and I'm not sure how often they're just going to be able to run the ball, even especially with a secondary option, right. where I think the Seahawks are going to try to run the ball with multiple backs no matter what and try to uh, to hold on to some leads or, or to play tight games. I'm not sure the Titans are playing a lot of tight games. And if right. Derrick Henry is going to eat up the majority of those carries, that might leave only four, five, six touches a game for that backup back. So. I mean, I'm, I'm not – let me be honest with you. I'm not putting money on either one of those two players. Uh, but I think I actually like Charbonnet a little bit more. So I think those odds are fine. But I, I guess this is the case where – I know we talked about this last week of like if you're going to bet on an injury or bet – in this case, you're betting on – or who was the guy last week that we were talking about? You were Oh, yeah. It was um, Chase Brown. And you were betting on a, a Joe Mixon getting caught. Yep. In this case, this is a flyer – betting on either a Derrick Henry midseason trade or a Derrick Henry injury. Because sure, if one of those two things happens, the opportunity for Tajay Spears to step into that role, at least volume-wise, is really intriguing. I just don't see him having a chance otherwise, where I could see Charbonnet getting significant work even with a fairly healthy Ken Walker. All right, we've got two more teams to get to, and they're the teams that are going to take the longest because this is these are teams that have a lot of candidates uh, for this spot. Jamie, we'll start with the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and I think when you look at this from an offensive perspective, you're looking at Anthony Richardson and Josh Downs. And then from a defensive perspective, Julius Brents, Tommy Etabore are the two names that I think are, are that we should consider for both of these sides of the ball. Yeah, uh, look, Anthony Richardson is obviously the really intriguing one because I, I do think this year, and this is really not a hot take, but if you're going to bet on one of these guys this year with the intent of I'm just going to pick one player to win, you're betting on the quarterbacks. Uh, and you're going to have three really intriguing options to choose from. And Anthony Richardson certainly has the uh, highest upside of any of the quarterbacks and it can be the most spectacular 
in terms of what he does on the field. And I think if he can live up to that potential early on, you're going to see more highlight real plays from Richardson than you are going to see from Stroud or Young or Levis, et cetera. But he's also the most raw of that group. So the question's going to be, you know, is he a lock to start week one? I think he is, but it's at least worth asking the question. Um, and then aside from that, what are we going to get from him? You know, is he going to have to kind of feel his way into making a big impact? But on the other side, he can use his legs at a high level. And that's something where he can pick up a lot of yardage or be a fantasy darling that's going to help drive some of that narrative this year. Uh, so he's the one that intrigues me the most of this group. Obviously, I like Josh Downs. I'm very curious to see how he fits in the slot. I think he's going to be a nice upgrade over Paris Campbell and get a lot of work. And there's already reportedly a nice little rapport between himself and Anthony Richardson very early on. But there's going to be some other options there. You know, Alec Pierce is still there. Mike, uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is still there. Jelani Woods at tight end. So there's going to be some other pieces there that, I know obviously the value is going to be a lot better for Downs than it is going to be for Richardson, but uh, obviously Richardson is the most intriguing one. And if we sat back here at the end of the year and said he won Offensive Rookie of the Year, I don't think we'd be shocked. But my guess is he's sitting at like 7-1 to one or something versus Downs. It's probably like 28-1. to one. So uh, you said it correctly, Anthony Richardson, 7-1 to one right now. The uh, third best odds, co-third best odds with one other player uh, for that. Josh Downs we mentioned earlier, he's in that 60-1 to one bucket. Um, with uh, Zach Evans, uh, Tank Dell, Tyler, uh, Israel Bandicanda, Michael Mayer, Jaden Reed, Sam Laporte, Tank Bigsby, all in that 60-1 to 1 bucket. Oh, and wow, I, yeah. And, I and forgot about problem, that. And the problem with that, Jamie, is if you're going to bet on a wide receiver, a rookie wide receiver, if he's going to get production, it's going to more than likely be because of the rookie quarterback that's throwing him the football. And is that going to – like, if Downs has a really yeah. good season – those stats are also going to be in Anthony Richardson's catalog as well, and I don't know if voters are going to be able to differentiate. Guess what? Houston has the same problem. We're going to talk about them in a second because they yep. have a similar thing where I don't know if voters are going to be able to separate if a wide receiver has a good year with the rookie quarterback that's going to be the one uh, throwing him the ball. We'll talk about the defensive guys real quick, Jamie, for, for this team. Where do you see uh, Tommy Adebore and um, Julius Brents? Yeah, I mean, Nerbore, I love the player, but it's not somebody I really consider for this award uh, right off the bat coming out of the fourth round. But Julius Brents is interesting. And I know it sounds like a broken record, but what it takes for a quarterback to win this award is ball production. And this is a guy that can do it. Uh, freakishly long arms, very aggressive, is, attacks the ball in the air, and he's going to have a great opportunity. It is not a strong cornerback room in Indianapolis. He and even fellow rookie Darius Rush, who they took in the fifth round, could have both have significant playing time right off the jump. So, uh, I again, I have a tough time, you know, picking a corner because we're going to talk about somebody else in a different position with this next team that's the favorite. Uh, I'm presuming, uh, based on logic, to to win this award, but. Uh, if again, if you want to take a shot on Brent, who I guess I'm going to guess is is um, I don't know, eighteen to one. What if I told you Tommy Edebore and Julius Brents have the same odds? What if I told you that uh, that you? one of them is either really overvalued or really undervalued? Okay, well, I will tell you that Tommy Edebore and Julius Brents are right next to each other on this, uh, according to FanDuel, with the same number of odds. And what, what are those odds? 60 to 1 for Tommy Edeboy and Julius Brents. Okay, so Give th me that's the Julius fair Brents ticket. Yeah, okay, so Julius Brents is going to win the value play of, of the AFC South right away. Jamie, um, I, will share I, the I will share the take with the listeners that I've shared with you, I think, on the show, but I know I've done it personally. By the end of the season, Julius Brents might be the best corner on the Indianapolis Colts. 
I don't think that's a hot take. So I'm in. I mean, I, the competition is, is Kenny Moore, Kenny but Moore. I think that they're different. They're, they're different Bryce. positions. Like they're Julius Brent is going to thrive on the outside. Oh baby, I can't wait. Yeah, I, 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 that's a great value play to me. I, I am shocked that he is he's at sixty to one. 60 to uh, I think that is just people not knowing who he is. This, this is a tenacious, fiery, ball hawking corner that can do a lot of things well and is going to get challenged. Like, and he's going to get, but he's going to get the opportunity to start from day one. I, I love that value. Uh, we can move on to the Houston Texans, and you, you kind of spoiled it without really spoiling it. Will Anderson Jr., the favorite to win the defensive yeah. rookie of the year, plus 350 for Will Anderson. Yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about it. I mean, there's he no value was, here. Let's just make it very clear. There's no value here. No, but but he should be the favorite. There, there's, there's no logical argument for him not to be the favorite, in I my opinion. Uh, given the skill set, given the opportunity to start from year one, given the production he had in college, the fact that we expect Texans to be down, you know, uh, in some games and he's going to get an opportunity to play a lot uh, throughout the course of the season. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's just, uh, I mean, it's tough to bet on a favorite at plus 350 because you have to, have to consider this too. They're going to hold your money all season. And at plus 350, you have to be betting enough money to get enough return to make them holding your money from now until January to be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. But he's the rightful favorite, um, and he's you know he's the you know water gun to my head. You know, have to pick somebody to win this award, or like you know the world explodes. I, I would pick him to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, but I'm not sure I'm going to actually put enough money on on that right now because I don't want to tie it up. Um, you know, on the offensive side of things, I know you mentioned where Tank Dell was. I, I think it's going to take a lot for Tank Dell. Uh, I just don't see it. it. Partly for the same reason that you said. You know, his production is also going to be tied to a rookie quarterback's production. But there's some guys there in Houston that are interesting that might, you know, put him into just into the mix, into the group in year one. When you talk about Woods and talk about Collins and maybe Mechie, uh, you know, he he absolutely is going to have a role in that spot. And we know C.J. Stroud asked for him to be drafted, but I'm not sure he's going to be that type of player that's going to differentiate himself from the group as a rookie in order to get that. But C.J. Stroud is interesting because, again, this is a team that's going to be down a lot. And that means they're going to be throwing a lot. A lot. And volume matters. Mm -hmm. And like I just mentioned, like I know these are – it's not a murderer's role wide receivers group. And I understand sometimes I have a tendency to fall in love with a bunch of guys that are just kind of mid. But I kind of like this group. Oh, like this if, if John Mechie comes it? back healthy, this is going to be your thing. The Houston wide receiver group's not as bad as people think it is. Yes, I think it. Uh, I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying it's top twenty in the NFL or anything. But this is not the Titans. You know what I mean? Like I, I mean, okay. I, the Woods uh, and I. I think Nico is, Collins is developing into a wide receiver too. I, I think we've forgotten about John Mechie because of the, the the cancer treatment and him being out all year. I like Tank Dell a lot. Like what I saw from him. You know, at the senior bowl, Robert Woods is, is a steady Eddie, um, you know, at, at that wide receiver position. And, and, you know, it's like I'm looking at the chart like this is not again, it's not great. They don't have a wide receiver one, but it's not as bad as people think. And oh, by the way, they also have Dalton Schultz, who they just added at tight end a pass catching first 
tight end for him. Xavier Hutchinson and Noah Brown, I think, are, are reasonable depth options for you this can't team. Like, with Noah Brown, as a, you can't do as that. a wide receiver no. five or six, he was starting for the Cowboys last year at times. Jamie, you're hitting me with the money ball. The, the there's the Yankees. Yes, fifty feet of crap, and then there, that's what you just did with the Scott Hatterberg at wide receiver. No, again, I'm not saying this is a top 20 unit, but I what I'm saying is is I don't think this receiving core is actively going to hurt CJ Stroud like I think the Tennessee receiving core is actively going to hurt Will Lutz. Okay, this is this is fun. This is not part of the show whatsoever, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway. Would you rather okay. have the Houston Texans wide receiver room or the New York Giants wide receiver room? Houston. Would you rather have the Houston Texans wide receiver room or the Los Angeles Rams wide receiver room? Houston. It's tough because obviously the Rams have like one megastar and then nothing. Be more respectful to Puka Nakua, please. We'll get to that when we get to that, but be more respectful. Okay, I just wanted to see where you stood with other like, I think, wide receiver groups that are in that tier. Tennessee, yeah, they're, tier, they're bottom totally 10. On their own. Totally they're on bottom their own. 10, but are like... They, are, they, are they better than the Patriots? I like them more than the Patriots. Yes, this is going to be your. I thing. think it's 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 similar, but like like who the who the, the Patriots got Juju and who? Uh, Devontae Parker, Hunter Henry. Yeah. Again, I get. I will put this caveat in. It. Mechie has to be healthy. I mean, you know, but like, I don't. I don't think that room is that bad. I really don't. Again, they don't have a wide receiver one. And I get that. But I don't think that room is that bad. No, I don't. This I don't think it's. I don't think it's that bad. I just think maybe you're hyping it up a little bit more than I'm willing to hype it up here on this. No, show. but I think they're in that tier with like. I think people. Talk, I mean, people actively talk about how terrible Tennessee's room is, but like, they're in there with the New Englands and and some of these other groups. Or just like, people aren't talking about the. No one's talking glowingly about those receiving cores, but they're not going like, oh my god, this is terrible. I think people think, oh my god, Houston's receiving core is awful. Like I, I, I don't think people put them in that like. Meh, not that I, I think people put them in the terrible tier and not below average tier, which is where I think they should be. Uh, CJ Stroud, seven to one plus 700 on yeah. odds to win the offensive rookie of the year. Him and Anthony so Richardson I guess the are tied. logical question is him versus Richardson, right? I would take Anthony that's, Richardson. that's what you're gonna ask me. I would take Anthony Richardson. I think there's more upside, there's more ways for me to get production. I think I like the supporting cast around Anthony Richardson a lot more than I like. I got Jonathan Taylor catching passes out of the backfield. I got about like 33 tight ends that we use all the time. I got Michael Pittman Jr. I've got uh, Josh Downs. Like, I got a pretty good group. I got Alec Pierce. I got a better group in Indianapolis. I have a true wide receiver one in Michael Pittman Jr. Anthony Richardson's the answer here. Go this ahead, was Mr. tough for me. Go ahead, Mr. Houston's wide receiver room. Is it's not that. Everybody it's not it that. It's the difference of I think there might be like – there might be like a 100 pass attempt difference. For Stroud, you think? Yeah. Obviously, Richardson's going to get more rushing production, but I think, I, I think when things – better offensive mind in Indianapolis. Yes. Better offensive mind in Indianapolis for now. Um and obviously, rushing ability and better weapons. But the thing is, is if CJ Stroud throws 600 times as a rookie, okay. those numbers are going to intrigue people. But Richardson, with the rushing ability, could offset some of that a little bit. If he's a sure, but he also threat. might be raw. Like you know what I mean? Like he also might look bad as a passer. So like that's my that's the concern. Like in year one, um, I I will concede to you that I I think you I would go with Richardson slightly. 
But my argument for Stroud would be he might get 600 pass attempts. He might be the only rookie that gets 600 pass attempts. Only rookie? 600 pass attempts? Might be the only player in football that throws the ball that many times. No. You think? No, that in in this season, that's not that's not. How, how many quarterbacks last year threw over six hundred attempts? Okay, well, I, I, let me look it up here. This is fine. We're, we're in a sidebar. We'll sidebar. Right, and let's let's do passing attempts per game because we're projecting health here. So six hundred attempts divided by seven is thirty five, roughly thirty five point three okay, per so game. Okay. So how many how many quarterbacks met that number a year ago? Maybe it's more than I think. Maybe maybe my yeah. initial my maybe my initial gut was that it would be low. Ten, so, 10 teams did that. Okay. okay, so 10 was a lot more. I was thinking it was more in like the four or five range. So the fact that it's yeah. 10 changes the math on this a little bit. Yeah, and I'm going to see how many quarterbacks got to 600. Yeah, because some of it is Brady got uh, to a bajillion. You know, so. Health-related, obviously. Right. Uh, let's see. Brady got to a bajillion. Oh, yeah. Brady and the Bucks led the way. Uh, they are like 45 attempts a game. Um, okay, so last year... Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, Tom Brady had so many attempts. Dude, it was so unbelievable. Last year, only five quarterbacks okay. got there because... That's more in line with what I was thinking in my head. Yeah. So, again, I'm projecting health here. Sure. Um, so, obviously, if he misses a game or two, he's not going to probably get to that number. But in terms of just like the possibility, it was about a third of the league. So, on a, per, on a per-game basis, let's say he yeah. does 35 per game. How many... How much lower do you think Richardson would be on a per game basis? Do you think Richardson's more in the twenty five to twenty eight range? I'd ha- I haven't done the Colts projection yet. Technically, I haven't done the Texans just, projection just yet. Just ballpark, but, and I'm not, I'm not going to hold you to this, but it's just um, an exercise. My thought is that Richardson will be probably closer to. Let me see here. I'm gonna try. I'm trying to like look up what I gave to like Bryce, for example, and, just and to kind of see. Right, and the place I'm going with this, Jamie, is let's say it's a ten pass attempts per game difference in those 10. I don't attempts. think it's going to be that much because that, okay. that, that, that's 160 over the game. I, I think we're looking at like my guess is if we're going to look at it, something like 31 attempts per okay. game. So with those four less attempts, can Anthony yeah. Richardson do more with his running ability than CJ Stroud can? Because I think if he can do that, oh, well, of course, then it's going to yeah. even out. So, but the question is, is how much worse is it the passing wise? 100%. You know what I mean? 100%. So like, uh, it, it's close, but yes, I, I will say this. The the combination of Steichen and the flashiness of like, mm-hmm. when, if Richardson is successful, it's going to be really obvious that he's successful. So right. um, I, I agree with you. Oh, there. Um, Julius Brent's the best value here at 60 to one. Yeah, I don't think we clearly. Make this yeah, I, I can't even make an argument for anybody else. It's 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 really simple. Uh, I think that that that's just priced. Uh, that's just not priced well for a guy that's probably correct. I think it's priced wrong. The starting corner yeah. for a team that's in a division where there's going to be opportunities to get interceptions, man. Against some of these teams, he gets to play Houston twice, rookie quarterback. Uh, he gets to play whoever's playing quarterback for Tennessee twice. Like there's some opportunity there uh, to put up some big numbers. Uh, we've got the NFC South. Another potential top candidate in the Offensive Rookie of the Year uh, debate with Bryce Young, a part of the show tomorrow. We will get to the NFC South. Good to have you back, Jamie. Uh, Only had to do the one show without you, but we recorded like three shows ahead, so it was like multiple days without doing a show. So it's good to have you back. Good to have you, the listener, back. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Hope everybody enjoyed today's show. You can follow me on Twitter, at Chris Schubert underscore. You can follow Jamie on Twitter, at Jamie Eisner. The Takes on Takes channel in the premium Discord where you can throw your takes. We'll sneak in some takes here throughout the week. Hope everybody has a great rest of their Monday. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.